Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, the Carnegie International has been bringing together a collection of artists and their work since 1896. I mean, it's the longest running international art show on the continent. So what could possibly be fresh after all these years? The new Ethereal exhibition opens Saturday. We've got one of the organizers, Dana Bishop-Root, who knows what to look out for. It's Thursday, September 22nd. I'm Morgan Moody, and this is CityCast Pittsburgh. So for someone who has never heard of the Carnegie International um, and maybe isn't even that into art, uh, why is it such a big deal? Well, what I would say to that is if you haven't heard of the Carnegie International, no big deal. If you're not into art, no big deal. But one way to think about the Carnegie International at the Carnegie Museum of Art is that it's the longest running exhibition of international art in the United States. Mm -hmm. And what is so incredible about it is that it creates so many entry points for thinking about the world and thinking about what's happening around us in the world. I kind of think of it as a snapshot of right now. It becomes a snapshot of where we are globally, about our relationship to the world through art. Is it is it one overall curator and then there's um, several different ones that also like kind of head different you know, sub areas of art that are going to be um, comprised in the exhibition? That's a great question. Um, so for this international, there's actually a team of three people. So Rob Mohebi and Ryan Inoue and Talia Hyman, who have been working together. So Rob is the lead curator for the exhibition and um, who have been working together for the past three years to really develop the exhibition. And they're all based here in Pittsburgh for the duration of um, the lead up to the exhibition. What's really special is that they also recognized with the pandemic, the limitations, because typically the curators just go from like around the world to find different artists, to talk to different artists. With the pandemic, especially two years ago, it was hard to travel. So what they did is they ended up creating a curatorial council. Um, and that council are made up of amazing curators, cultural producers, um, thinkers from around the world. Literally, there's one located in Kenya, one located in Korea, who really work to connect artists to the curatorial framework of the exhibition. Who are some of the people behind the art? Do you have like a favorite that you're willing to share? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I am so excited by so many of the artists One of the things I love about this exhibition is that there's such a range of artists. There are artists that are really well-known, such as Tony Coates, and Mm. his work is phenomenal. Like, he's one of my favorite artists. Um, He, I I don't know if I'm allowed to say he's one of my favorite artists, but definitely (laughs) he's someone whose work I think is so interesting. And he thinks about, um, he really connects with like house and disco music culture, um, thinking about the, and pop culture, thinking about the ways in which the lyrics and the language of the music, um, when kind of taken into focus. So, so he makes these projections in films, right? Mm -hmm. Um, when you take those into focus, the ways in which they call attention to our current contemporary moment. 
Um, so we're showing a piece in the theater that the music is Britney Spears, um, but the lyrics that are extracted are so poignant and you're just like, what? Um, and then he also has works that are going to be on billboards on Route 28. Wow. So you're going to be driving by and seeing these incredible kind of lyrics extracted. Um, and what I love about his practice is that he's truly connecting as an artist. He's connecting um, various music cultures um, with what's happening in the world around us and kind of what is relevant and like, whoa. And then he kind of remixes the lyrics um, visually. Yeah, yeah. And I, I feel like Tony Cooks is a really cool example because he is very provocative and well-known. But are there any local folks, like any Pittsburghers in the mix? I was just going to say, and then there's some artists that are so much kind of like not as familiar to people. Um, like you said, locally, James Yaya Huff is very familiar, but I think something that, as you know, like that happens in Pittsburgh is you can have like a lot of notoriety as an artist in Pittsburgh, but maybe you don't get your word out nationally or internationally. Yeah. And I think James Yaya Huff is kind of the opposite where he's starting to be recognized um, nationally and internationally, but less visible here in Pittsburgh. So this is what's so exciting is, again, just that that dialogue starts to build. Another really great thing locally um, is that the curatorial team um, wanted to engage. Let's get free. I was actually just reading about them. They're a women and trans prisoner defense fund based here in Pittsburgh. Yeah. And they do a lot of work to um, spread the stories and the word of individuals who have been in impacted by um, death by incarceration, which of course is when you get a prison sentence that is lifelong and it happens a lot with juveniles. Um, and so they worked with a local artist in Jamie and Jai to create a film that features, do you know, I'm sure you know, when Jamie, yeah. incredible um, photographer, filmmaker. Yeah. And they created this beautiful um, documentary with two um, women who have actually had commutation so they could be free. Yeah. Um, and it's just this incredible, beautiful piece about the lives they've lived. So really thinking about the art museum and the platform as a way to communicate local concerns as well. And the work that's being done here that's so beautiful. And this is the first time that they're having um, this event since the pandemic. Can you talk a little bit about the challenges as far as two years ago traveling. Um, but have there been any other challenges that you face trying to plan and put this all together? Well, I think, Morgan, like, you know, one of the beautiful things that I so respect about Sorab um, and his work is that he really took on the challenges as a way to think about the curatorial framework um, for the exhibition in the sense that you know, he talks about this in his essay, which I'm like, I, keep, I can't stop reading because it's so incredible. And the essay is in the exhibition catalog. Mm -hmm. But he's talking a lot about how, you know, seeing the pandemic and being charged with doing a global exhibition, right? The pandemic we call a global pandemic. It's the same virus. Yeah. And even in our own neighborhoods, our own communities, we saw the different ways that this same shared virus impacted different communities differently. Um, and so we're thinking about that, of course, regionally and then nationally. And as he was looking around the world and thinking about artists and artworks to bring into the show, of course, he's seeing the disparity and the vast differences of the ways in which the pandemic were impacting different communities. And so I really believe that 
he then couldn't ignore that this show had to recognize the differences of our cultures, the differences and disparities, the socioeconomic differences that we all face um, and the ways in which, yeah. you know, post-1945, um, this show kind of follows the geopolitical footprint of the U.S. Um, and so he really is bringing artwork forward as another way to communicate those differences and shared experiences and possibilities. Um as I was talking, yeah. I just thought of another artist that I really wanted to mention because you asked about local artists and the exhibition. Yeah. Was that okay, Morgan? I'm sorry. I got I got too excited. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> of course. Of Which course. Is, please. I do definitely want to shout out and to mention LaToya Ruby Frazier, who's also a part of this exhibition. Um, she grew up in Braddock, Pennsylvania. And um, she is internationally renowned as an artist. Are you familiar with her work? I w yeah, I was going to say, is she the artist that um, had the, uh, it was like a, a piece that was going against Levi Denim? Yes. Because it was, yeah, trying to highlight their jeans as the backdrop, you know, the, the tough material of Braddock. And realistically, it was not that glamorous for the people living there. Yeah, she definitely created a kind of body of work, exactly what you're saying, that really critiqued the narrative of the urban pioneer and that like <laughs> any product could save a community when actually, and, and looking mm -hmm. at the history of manufacturing, but you know, exactly what you're talking about. She made this beautiful, it was a photographic set as well as a performance work um, that she performed in front of a Levi's store in New York which I highly recommend. Yeah. It's on YouTube. You can see footage of it. Um, it's a really powerful performance. Um, That's really cool that she's a part of this. Yes, it's amazing. Um, and it's really a part of her practice is to constantly look at the ways, um, I think, in which narratives are constructed and the ways in which the people who live in a place are actually um, doing the work to have to contend, right, with what the actual issues are. So, um, for this commission, and again, this is another um, commission, it's a new photographic installation okay. and it's featuring community healthcare workers in Baltimore who were deeply, of course, like we all know it was like our community healthcare workers um, that were so yeah. stressed and pulled thin through the pandemic. Um, and so this is just this really incredible installation mounted on IV stands. So it's a full installation highlighting the work of our healthcare workers and who, of course, are predominantly black and brown workers, as we know, um, in terms of who gets regulated to what work and how do we actually create systems of value around the work that's being done. Dana Bishop-Root is Carnegie Museum of Arts Director of Education and Public Programs. Dana, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Morgan. It was so good to see you again. A little news before you go. You know how there's a bunch of empty office buildings downtown? Like some of these places have looked like ghost towns ever since COVID hit. Well, they could get turned into homes. Uh, Pittsburgh's Planning Commission approved a proposal to convert empty office space into mixed income housing. The county and state officials already committed $9 million, and Mayor Ed Ganey wants to add $2.1 million more in federal COVID relief. Who knows what will happen, but whatever they decide, it'll still have to go through city council. 
And the seventh annual Pittsburgh Chinese Cultural Festival is in Mellon Park on Saturday from 11 to 7. Check out a bouquet of Asian cuisine exhibits games, martial arts, and more. And here's a fun fact. The event is also celebrating the 40th anniversary of Pittsburgh's sister city ship with Wuhan, China. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you enjoyed this work of art of a show, um, tell your friends, rate the show, leave us a review. And of course, subscribe to our morning newsletter, which is also an amazing work of art. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. So we'll see you then. Okay, touche, touche. You could have feelings.